All right, we are live. Episode 48 coming in hot. I feel fantastic today. Some days I feel fantastic. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Brandon Yobe, Ivy Bev, Jeremy Voss, Action Impact. Uh, hey, yes. Gentlemen, how are you? Awesome. I'd say fantastic too. Then let's do that. That's how we're running today. Everybody out there, we're all on the fantastic game today. <laughs> Jump on the train. Here we go. Brandon, we're talking Ivy Bev. Tell us the story. When did it get started? Give us a little bit of the, uh, the background. Yeah, so uh, I graduated from UCLA in 2017. And about three months later, I, I started Ivy Bev. Um, <clears throat> we're, a, we're a superfood company. We do uh, ready-to-drink bottled matcha green teas. Um, so literally, I was working at a restaurant in college. Um, I was involved with their, their kind of beverage creation, lemonades, juices like that. Um, and at the time I made the decision, I love this. I, I want to try it myself. And that's kind of, that's kind of the brief version of how that started. Nice. And now did you do that outside the kitchen? Was it in your own personal kitchen or a commercial kitchen? Yeah. So I was working with so many, you know, kind of beverages, different beverages in the restaurant that I skipped the commercial kitchen part. I went straight from, you know, working with with stuff in the restaurant to uh to a formulator and, and trying to get the the product shelf stable got it so you said ucla yeah so you went to ucla you know prime time school uh down there in socal if you don't know where it's at uh you're <laughs> missing out uh and then he decides to you know pop out one of these uh, uh beverage companies you know how that goes um I think it's matcha, right? Like, give us the ingredient breakdowns, why you chose them. Uh, also, maybe a little bit of the story, like, where did you source it from? Yeah. Yeah, so at the time, back in, I think it was uh, late 2017, matcha was, like, the number one trending ingredient, super hot. You had all these companies coming out. Um, and it kind of tied into my, my, my own personal goals. And my friend, we used to, like, go on adventures every six months in college. I'm still really tight with my friends from high school. Um, so <clears throat> we get together, we go on these trips and we were drinking coffee, but we just, we didn't feel good about it. Um, and I hear this a lot from people who switched from coffee to matcha. Basically when we started drinking matcha and we just, we didn't feel that nasty crash. We didn't feel any jitters and I'm super sensitive to caffeine. So I, if it's more than like 80 milligrams, I, I freak out, I get all sweaty and nervous. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like why we, ch we chose matcha. Honestly, it was kind of one of those things where it was a hot ingredient. I was working with it a little bit at the restaurant. I liked it. And it just kind of happened that way. Um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't like we, we sat there and, and really did too much thinking about it. We just, we just kind of went with it. So, so you're not putting down a few bangs uh, every day or anything like that? Doesn't, doesn't sound like it. Yeah, I, I can't do that either. I, when I talk about um, uh, caffeine, because I'll, I'll take um, probably the highest uh, milligrams actually in my pre-workout. Yeah. Um, and even that is a little sensitivity. Um, I've just been taking that for so long. That's that I know what my body can do, but post that, um, sensitive to how big a cup of coffee could be, uh, sensitive to, uh, even what I'd consider to be an energy drink or one that has, um, caffeine in it. I'm sensitive to it as well. Um, doesn't matter what I have in the fridge, but, uh, as far as, uh, by the way, shout out on that whole, uh, high school friends thing, uh, dude, I still roll with the same guys. Yeah. It's middle school, like elementary yep. school. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole uh, separate subject matter. <laughs> um, what was the first uh, product that was, a, you know, that was sellable? Did you put it in a, 
glass uh, jar. Give us sort of the, the story there as far as what people can envision and, 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 and where did you take it? Uh, was it uh, into retail in a local environment or was it direct to consumer? Yeah, so to be honest, our initial, our initial goal was just to bring a product to market. We didn't really have a very rigorous um, process for thinking about the consumer. We didn't go, you know, what does our consumer need this product? We just thought we want this product. We're going to bring it to market. Um, so we did put it in glass, which, ha, you know, has made a lot of things more challenging, especially it, it limits your direct consumer potential. So, um, you know, we've been working with that a little bit, especially now it's a lot, a lot of brands are, are going DTC um, and we're, we're going to move in that direction soon too. But we, we launched in a glass bottle, 14 ounce, kind of like this, this funky 14 ounce bottle, which, you know, in our minds was like, it's going to be a cool differentiator. But in reality, you know, that extra two ounces actually it's it, it added its own set of problems so um our initial i'd say our initial key accounts were actually something um kind of kind of a little unique we launched in hospital cafeteria accounts um and this was something that was we didn't plan for it we didn't go we're gonna we're gonna launch in a hospital cafeteria you know it was something that kind of fell in our lap um but we ran with it and we were able to get into uh a, three hospital cafeterias and what was nice about that is we could take our we could take a fridge put it in there they let us do whatever they we wanted really. Um, and then we could have our product, we can get some sales, we could talk to these consumers. Um, this was, this was po uh, pre COVID. So, um, but yeah, that was, we, we, we wanted to, it, it's almost impossible to go to traditional retail um, because of how expensive it is, at least in the beginning. And it just felt like we didn't have the bandwidth to even try that. So we, we, we focused on kind of like smaller, especially niche accounts. Uh, you're bringing up a good point that for those who are watching it, they're starting um, a food and beverage company. There are those small decisions that you make. Uh, for instance, going from a 12 to 14 ounce, not just necessarily in size, but it's also the cost of goods. Um, you don't think that deep into that small difference, but it's a major one. It's a major impact to uh, your margin. And if you don't need to do it, right, if, if your competitor is at 12 ounce too, there really is no need to do it. Unless for some reason, there's just some benefit to it and you were able to sort of squeeze on margin, which is very difficult to do. Uh, you have ingredients, it is what it is. And, um, and, and that's just, you know, that's just the lay of the land. So it, it brings to light something that, that people should be t really focused on when they're developing a product. Um, now, after the cafeterias and, and things like that, or, or where you're currently at, was this late 2019? And if so, what did that look like going into the year, let's say even right before uh, March? Yeah, so what's funny is we did our latest production on February 22nd, which was about two weeks before everything hit the fan. So we had this, you know, we had this very, this aggressive goal. We're gonna get into 20 to 50 hospital cafeterias um, throughout California. And then, you know, we do a production run and then basically hospitals close down. So what we've done is we've kind of gone back in the product iteration mode. Because um, like you said, it's so important to, to really think about every decision you're making when it comes to the product. And that's something we didn't do the first time around. We just kind of, oh, yeah, this sounds right. Um, but like you said, every little decision adds up and it's all really important in the, you know, in the long term. So we've actually decided we're going to, we're going to move into cans and launch more of a DTC um, platform. So that's what we've been kind of been working on. And um, yeah, so 
that we pivoted? <laughs> uh, pivots are fine. Um, and again, as, as long as they're uh, pivoting into something that's going to have uh, more opportunity for you, right? I mean, we, we're, we all do it and we discover um, either early in the game or, or too late in the game. Um, so hopefully you found it uh, early enough. As far as your process of going from, from glass to can, the co-packer and those that you're, you're dealing with, were they able to process this, the same product or did you have to look for another uh, co-packer? Yeah, we had to look for another co-packer. Um, you know, and it's been, it's been fine. We've, we've taken a lot of the learnings that like all the experience with the first co-packer, things didn't go 100%, you know, as I'm sure you've heard with a lot of emerging brands, things go wrong, but um, I've been able to kind of take those learnings and bring them and kind of like every experience has helped us just see around the corner a little bit further. So now instead of starting with, you know, the formulation or whatever, starting with the co-packer, knowing the right questions to ask, you know, making sure, hey, we, we, we know what risks are out there. Obviously, there's still some that we, that we don't know. You, you can't predict any, everything, but knowing those questions and, and kind of what to ask for really helped us find a, a new co-packer and you know because i didn't want to just do it for speed you know yeah you can't do anything for speed in this uh if if you're looking for quick fixes or or, or quick uh opportunities that's not how this business works that's not how any business really works um, um but specifically this one it's you're gonna learn a lot uh you know you're early in the game um i still learn every single day right um and i'm glad to talk about it that's what this platform is also for, right? We talk about certain things, everybody's learning here and offering up advice. Um, what would you say uh, is gonna be the next uh, roadmap for you guys? We're now in September, it's already September. You can see, uh, and I feel something, you know, kind of opening up. I hope people are as optimistic as I am. Uh, things are opening back up a little bit. Um, what does it look like, let's say, over the course of the next 12 months? Yeah, so we just finished with the Startup UCLA Accelerator. So that was a great experience to kind of go through and just just tie together all the loose ends in terms of, you know, planning and, and getting together our pitch and all that. Um, so for the next 12 months, really working on this pivot, it is a channel pivot, going from retail to direct consumer and then using that direct consumer platform to really, you know, build up this cold following that we can then take into retail and have, you know, at least a fighting chance of winning in retail, so. Fighting chance, folks. <laughs> We're all just trying to fight, okay? Okay, okay. Uh, I like that. Um, and I like what you're thinking and I would uh, agree with you. Um, like you had noted a cult following or whatever following it may be, right? You're just trying to amass a consumer who enjoys uh, the product uh, appreciates the brand, the messaging, uh, what your why is all about, right? I think if you guys focus there, those are just my two pennies, as I often say, uh, and then you can start looking at, um, at, re at retail, right? And hopefully even then, um, you're looking at some regional, local plays to really get some data from. Uh, there's some great ones down where you are, of course, um, and, uh, and you can really get a lot of information from doing that. So hope you guys, uh, hope you guys keep the, the, the pace, keep it going. Uh, we are gonna switch it up. Jeremy Voss, Action Impact. I think we're talking digital. Uh, give us the platform, who's it for, what's it all about? 
No problem. Oh, well, it's a perfect segue into what we were just talking about because you're building up a cult and build, or building up a following, a tribe. Um, and the next step of that is social media. And uh, as of right now with COVID-19 going on, social media is, I would say, probably the hottest platform for businesses to grow. I mean, all you're hearing about right now is TikTok and Instagram, Facebook, you know, where people, Twitter, where people are online and, and they're building their tribes. Um, just a few statistics right now with COVID going on. Uh, there's 54% more people watching shows and films on streaming services. Right now, there's 43% more um, people spending longer time using social media. Um, there's also, you know, 42% spending longer on messenger services and 37% you know, more listening to more music on streaming services. So those are just a snapshot. Um, so if you're not on social media as a business, um, you know, it actually is more genuine if you don't come off as an expert, uh, because people can relate to that. Um, and they, they like that genuineness. And, you know, every video doesn't have to be perfectly captioned and, you know, edited 10,000 times. It's, it's more relatable. You know, there's a lot of people that have very successful businesses and they shoot their video on their, you know, on their Android or um, iPhone and that's what they post and, and that's what they share. And so it's relatable to a lot of people. But social media is a huge platform. Um, I work with businesses all across the country. And uh, I started my business kind of like a lot of people do out of a failure. Um, I actually owned a coffee shop. So you guys mentioned coffee and, and caffeine. Um, I owned a coffee shop for three years and I've been in sales 20 years and managed for fortune companies. And uh, I couldn't keep my own brick and mortar business afloat. Um, I took advantage of the fact that, you know, I had customers coming in and so I laid off my marketing and uh, I didn't have an automatic system to replace the customers. Like you, you see some businesses like you go to, you know, and, and they're just always busy, right? Like just they're humming all the time. Uh, when in the background, they're always marketing. And that's one of the keys to success, as you guys are both know, starting your companies and growing. Uh, Mark, you've done a really good job from what I've seen from the marketing aspect. But then I saw that post about the grocery store that you still go and, you know, deliver, you know, your product to and posting things like that on social media. Like when I saw that, and I'm not saying this just to say this because we're on here. Like I saw that genuineness of your company and you remembered how you founded it. And so posts like that, um, that are relatable and, and it's, it was a subtle post, but it was about emotion and you could connect with a lot of people that way. And they're like, you know what? Even if I not, might not be interested in that product or I haven't tried, I want to try it now. And, you know, it's those types of things on social media. Um, it's called disruption marketing. Um, you, have, you have two types of marketing. You have search intent marketing, and that's on Google and, you know, your search engines. And then on social media, you have disruption marketing. And that's when people are going through their normal flow and they're scrolling through and all of a sudden, bam, they stop. And, you know, so you want to disrupt that flow, you know, and be able to have them stop and, you know, flip through that and look at what you got going on. And you know, personal posts are a great way to do it. And, you know, if you're not on there, if companies aren't on there, um, I found myself, I grew up with contractors and uh, I launched this company. Like I said, I closed my brick and mortar store and uh, I wanted to make lemonade out of lemons. And uh, I was like, what can I do? How can I help people? So that way they don't have to go through what I went through. And so I was on every webinar and every website and, you know, took every opportunity to learn from people that were more successful than I am and, and tried to surround myself with a basically a group of people that are smarter than I am and uh, kind of the Henry Ford approach, you know, when it, when it comes to business. And I wanted to go out and I wanted to help people and reach out to people who needed help, especially in this time uh, with COVID going on. And I'll be honest, since March, I have basically had more business than 
my businesses basically took off and exploded uh, because there's a lot of companies that were at that. You mentioned pivot, you know, and companies either had to pivot or not and just kind of not be around. And the companies that pivoted, what I found out, um, invested in their company and invested in their advertising marketing. There was a huge digital shift. And the companies that stayed on board and the companies that invested in their company, basically for half the cost of what it normally was to invest, they could get in front of their audience because half of the competition disappeared. And so your exposure on social media right now is that much more present because of the companies that chose not to invest in their company. And you guys both know some of the greatest companies in the world right now were started, you know, when, when the economies were hurting. And, and so amazing businesses are born out of, you know, situations like this in the economy. And, you know, I have contractors across the country. There's one guy three months ago, uh, we ran campaigns for him. He's a landscaper. And ju in just three months from this time last year to now, in just three months, he tripled his income. Um, you know, when, when you can get the right product in front of the right customer with the right message at the right time, you know, and especially with social media, you can dial that down, especially with the, the demographics on the back end. Um, you can dial it down to the exact specific type of demographical customer that you want to see your product. You know, we're talking about health and fitness and, you know, health products. You know, you can go on uh, Facebook and run ad campaigns with people like myself and you can start off huge with, you know, the city they're in and you can boil that down to how much income they make, their education level, you know, where they shop. Do they like American Ninja Warrior? You know, do they shop on Amazon? What kind of car do they drive? You know, down to their political party, you know, where if they own a home, rent a home, if they have kids, if they don't have kids, you can segment your demographics so far down. And that's why social media advertising is so effective. Because once you nail down your exact type of demographic of a customer, you know, and you mentioned, you know, what you wanted to do, Brandon, Brandon, right? Yeah about you know where you want to take your product when you narrow down that you know your demographic your exact type of demographic of a customer you know it really helps you know same thing with mark you, you know i looking at a lot of your products mark that you have i can tell kind of who your you know customer is and, and who your demographic or customer is and when you can identify that and then plug that into the most successful platform right now it's it's just incredible what can be done there's companies that you know, right now are on TikTok and, you know, who would have thought that TikTok would be the platform that it is. And there's a lot. I like it, Jeremy. I like it. Uh, action impact marketing. Info's there. Brandon Yobe. Got it. Got it. Your info. <laughs> you got there. it. I, I appreciate having you both on. Peace. Thanks, Mark.